Thank you, Luke. And that's the encouragement that uh, we have who are in Christ, that we're just passing through, aren't we? This, this is really not our home. Um, some of us are, are young, some folks are like me, they're middle-aged, and other folks are closer to the time when they're be going home. And, and for all of us, it's really not that long of a time, is it? We all think, you know, we can all look back on 10 years ago or 5 years ago or 20 years ago and think, man, that was yesterday, wasn't it? Uh, so praise the Lord that, that we, he, he gives us days, He gives us time. Uh, but friends, let me encourage you to redeem that time for Him, uh, that we'll be going home one of these days, we'll be, we'll be with our King and worshiping, but in the meantime, let's share the good news of the gospel. And before I begin preaching this morning out of Nehemiah, I want to share that good news with you. The reason it's called good news is because it is good news. Uh, the, the bad news is, is that if you're without Christ, if you haven't received Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you haven't repented of your sins and trusted in Him, you, you won't. when you go home, it'll be to a different place and not to heaven. It'll, it'll be to a, to a place the Bible calls hell. And let's don't minimize it. It's not just separation from God. It's a place of torment. It's, it's God's wrath is being poured upon you. You guys are reading through the Bible, uh, following along, reading through Leviticus right now. I was telling some in our Sunday school class, I think it was Levit- Leviticus 17.11, I think, talks about the atonement. There has to be shedding of blood for the atonement. And the Bible says that, that we've sinned, we've broken God's law. And your life is going to be asked of you. That's the penalty for sin is death, right? Hebrews 9.27 tells us there's a physical death and there's a, a spiritual death. So friends, let me encourage you today. Don't have a false sense of security. That's one of the worst things that we have in our churches. People that say, well, I, I walk the aisle. Um, I was baptized, I prayed that prayer, but can't tell you what happened. Their life doesn't look any different now as a, air quote, Christian than it did before they walked the aisle, they were baptized, or they did whatever it was. The Bible says that when we receive Christ, we receive the Holy Spirit, and we are absolutely changed. That we're different. Um, there should be a different affect about our face. There should be a, you know, that we're, we're glad. Right? The world is rough, isn't it? Y'all have the same aches and pains as I do, and y'all like to remind me that sometimes more. Right? And that's okay. With different ages comes different ailments. Um, but no, it's not going to last forever, is it? One of these days, Christ will call us home, and we'll be with Him for all eternity. Praise the Lord. But if we're apart from Him... Woe be unto you. It would be better that you were never born. Friends, I want to ask you today, if you haven't received Christ as your Lord and Savior, I beg you, come to Christ. Repent of your sins and come to Christ. Turn in faith and trust Jesus as the only way. The Bible says that, doesn't it? Well, how do you know? How can you be so arrogant to say that? What does John 14, 6 say, Michael? He says, I am the way the truth, 
and the life. And no one comes to the Father except by me. Friends, that's it. Well, how can you be so hypocritical to say these other groups aren't going to go? Because the Bible says so. God's Word tells us. We're not saying anything outside of God's Word, are we? And then when we're changed, we're absolutely changed in such a way where we're excited to share the gospel, right? We want to come and gather, don't we? We want to read the Word so we can learn more about Him. Aren't y'all, when you're reading through these, these things from the Old Testament, you're like, well, that's a little bit boring. But one of these things, I'm like, whoa, I didn't know that. Or, wow, that makes a lot of sense. Remember I challenged you last week, we were in Nehemiah chapter 7, and I said, I'm not going to read all those names, right? Did you go home and read all those names? Amen, that's right, Brother Tobin. Wasn't it exciting, right? The son of so-and-so, that, man, look at that, look at that list right there, right? That's some exciting stuff. But then we read something like Leviticus 17, and we see that, wow, this is, he's asking, he's saying that there is no satisfaction faction of sin unless there is the shedding of blood, right? And then they would have to bring the perfect lamb or a bull. They'd have to bring a, they'd bring a dove. They'd bring this and seven times here and walk around it, do this, all this. You know what I'm saying? And here we have Christ, who is the ultimate sacrifice, who died once and for all for you. We got to quit putting Jesus back on the cross. I just let him down and I need to just ask Jesus in my life again. Friend, you weren't saved in the first place, right? You weren't saved in the first place if we keep having to ask him to come into our heart. It's one of the worst things we can do. I just asked Jesus in my heart. Well, okay. What about repentance? What about faith, right? What about walking in holiness, as the Bible says? Let's just chuck the book of James, all right? If you're here today and you aren't a follower of Christ, you haven't had the Holy Spirit touch you and release you from that sin and and fall on your knees and your face before Him in repentance, I want to ask right now that you would cry out to Jesus, that He might save you from your sin. There's no other name under heaven and earth that you're going to come to Christ. You can't come to church enough. You can't read your Bible enough. You can't be good enough. Ask people, how good do you have to be to go to heaven? They'll tell you. Well, just better than so-and-so, right? You can't be good enough. Bow your knee to Him and allow Him to be Lord of your life. He takes control of everything. Will you stand with me as we read Nehemiah chapter 8, verses 1 through 8. How many of you guys, when you're reading the Old Testament and you come across these names, that you have a hard time pronouncing them? Daniel was the first one. I appreciate that. Right? So I apologize if I butcher some of these names and or if I skip over one or two. Don't try to fire me for that. Okay? Nehemiah chapter 8 verses 1 through 8. Now all the people gathered together as one man in the open square that was in the front gate of the water gate. And they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses which the Lord had commanded Israel. So Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly of men and women and all who could hear with understanding on the first day of the seventh month. Then he read from it in the open square that was in front of the water gate from morning until midday before the men and women of those who could understand. And the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. So Ezra the scribe stood on a platform of wood which they made for the purpose and beside him At his right hand stood 
that name, and the other one, and this one, and that one, and this one, and the other one. And his left hand was Padiah, and Mishael, and Mekilzia, and Hashem, and Hashbadana, and Zechariah, and Meshulam. Did I do okay, Corey, for those? Oh, it's close enough. Okay. <laughs> I apologize. I, I studied on those, and I thought, I don't know if I can even do that. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was standing above the people, and when he opened it, all the people stood up. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. And then all the people answered, Amen, Amen, while lifting up their hands. And they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. So, Yeshua, Benai, Sherebi, German, Echub, Shebethi, Adoja, Maasai, Kalita, Asariah, Jozebad, Hanan, Peleah, and the Israelites helped the people to understand the law. And the people stood in their place, and so they read distinctly from the book and the law of God, and they gave the sense, and they helped them to understand the reading. Father, we love you. We're thankful so much for your word today. Even though some of the names we have a hard time with, uh, these names are important. They tell us something about the people of the age and the people of the day. Father, we're, we're so thankful for, for your book. We're thankful for the book of the law. We're thankful for the 27 books that are in the New Testament that show us that the law came complete in Christ. Father, we pray today that as we read and study your word, that we'll remember that we need to gather together as a church. We need to read your word. We need to do so in such a way that we can explain, that we have understanding, that we may have lives changed. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. So you'll see in your outline that we have four truths we're going to look at, and they have some blanks, so you can fill those out if you like, or not, it's up to you. Um, The blanks will be filled out on the screen overhead, but the first truth we're going to look at is that God's people gather. The people of God gather. Verse 1, now all the people gathered together as one man in the open square. The first truth we see is that all of people's, all of God's people gather together. Guys, I don't know about you, but when you're a follower of Christ, man, something's different. If something's not different, something's wrong. You know what I'm saying? Something's just wrong. You're, you're just changed. And one of the things that you want to do is that you want to gather, right? In Friends, I've been there too, right? If you can think right now, if you think, man, I come out of a out of habit, right? It just, it's just what I do. Man, I've been there. I know how that feels to just get up every single day and go, well, I, I, I got to go. I don't, I don't want to. And you're thinking about everything but. That's an indicator from the Holy Spirit for us to say, hey, something's up, Right? I'm not going to say you're lost. I'm not going to say you don't know Christ. Uh, Maybe you do. But whatever it is about the body, right, there's there's something wrong. There's sin in your life. There's sin in the body. 
right? But there should be that innate feeling that you wake up and go, I, I want to be worshiping, right? I, I want to be with my brothers and sisters in Christ. These are the folks who encourage me. These are the folks that I learn from. These are the folks that I work and minister with. I don't know about you all, but when I get out in Monday through Saturday, there's enough discouragement. Is there not? Whenever we gather as a body here, there shouldn't be a whole lot of discouragement. We're going to have fights, right? We're going to have disagreements. We're people. We're people who have that sinful nature. We kind of have selfish desires, don't we? Right? It's cold in here. I want a little warmer. Every time I go to church, it's chilly. Right? Well, it's, I'm sweating. Every time I go in that place, it's sweating hot. I guarantee you, some of y'all right now, on both of those, that y'all are like, amen. Amen. Right? I don't know why it's so cold in there. Grab a coat. Right? It's cold every time. Grab a coat. Right? It's so hot. Grab one of those little air conditioning machines you buy at the Walmart and stick it in your pew. And... Right? You can handle it for 30 minutes. Right? But we, we sweat it over those things. But when we gather together, it shouldn't be about our comforts. It shouldn't be about this or that. It should be about worshiping with our brothers and sisters. Guys, when I'm done preaching, I am soaking wet. When I go home, I wear two undershirts every single Sunday because the first one is done. Right? It is finished. It could be 47 degrees in here, and I'm going to sweat through this and this. But guys, I don't care. I want to worship. I want to gather together with my brothers and sisters. Check out what they did. They gathered as one. Right? All of them. All the folks did. Right? They didn't send this group off over here, and they didn't say all the young folks need to go off over there, and all the old people over here, and men and women. Right? All of them gathered as one. They found a place large enough, didn't they? Right? Man, we complain about our meeting space sometimes. It's too, too, too little people, too many people. It's too hot. It's too cold. Um, this weekend in, in Indianapolis, it really put perspective on me. This one gentleman... They got kicked out of their place, and it was warm. It was the summertime, and he said, you know what? This is awesome. You know what? We're going to go get a couple tents. We're going to meet in the public park. You know why? That's where the lost people are. We can gather as a church under these tents. We can worship, and while we do, we can do some evangelism. When's the last time we would think like that? Right? We're more concerned about what... That thing says, and what that thing says, and what this thing says, aren't we? Right? Grab a boost, man. Right? Get a pillow for your back. Get a coat. Beverly wears gloves. You get gloves on today? No? Just sit on your hands like I do. Y'all shake my hands. Right? I'm all sweaty and my hands are cold. That's weird, isn't it? They found a place large enough. They had the Word of God. When we gather together, it's not just to have a big time. It's not just to go and eat a big meal. It's not just because we like each other, which we should. We do, right? We want to study the Word of God. Take a look at verse 1. It says, They told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses. They wanted to hear the Word preached. They asked him to bring it. Hey, can you please bring that and read that for us? Can, can you do that? We, we'd love to hear this. It was the book of the law. When did y'all wake up next, last time on a Sunday morning and go, Woohoo, Toby's preaching out of the law, right? 
we're going to hear some Deuteronomy today, right? Y'all excited about that? And this one did this, and this one did this, and there was blood splattered here, and this one did, and you're all like, mm, no thanks, I guess we'll suffer through that, right? Some, some of y'all thinking, how many more weeks is he going to be in Nehemiah? Right? I'm ready to get to the New Testament. I hear that, right? They had somebody who could confidently read God's word. This guy didn't get up there and go, well, I guess we're going to turn to whatever. Turn to this page. Yeah, okay. I guess we'll get through this, right? Y'all, just bear with me. We'll get through this. No, he stood up and said, hey, listen. Right, we're going to read the word of God. This is important. This impacts our lives as who we are as followers of Yahweh. And as Christians, how much more do we... We know the rest of the story, don't we? When we read God's word and when Michael read this morning out of Philippians chapter 1, we saw how thankful Paul was for the church. How thankful are we for the body of Christ? Our church body here at Concord? Our family of Little Bethel churches? Maybe our other brother and sister churches who are not of, of Little Bethel. Praise God for those churches. They listened to the Lord's command. Right? It wasn't like, hey, if y'all want to and you, you get some time to fill, I know you're building the wall and whatever and you take a day off and, hey, this would be a good thing for you to do. Right? That, that didn't happen, did it? Check this out. You don't have to turn to your Bibles, but if you want to, you can. If you quick, I'm going to go through it. But if you want to look, in, look on the screen ahead, this is Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 25. Therefore, brethren, have boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us, through the veil that is his flesh. And having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful." Let us consider one another in order to stir up love in good works. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another as much the more as you see the day coming. Friends, we need encouragement. Man, when I, when I see the news, when I've, I, we don't have TV, so we, we do our news through the internet. Guys, I don't know about you guys. I'm, I'm, re- I'm really discouraged when I read that stuff. Um, I told you all about the, the evangelist who got arrested outside the abortion clinic who was reading the Word of God. I listened today, this morning, uh, while I was getting ready to his testimony and to the judge's sentence for him. If, if we don't do something as United States citizens to say, you, you can't stop us from our First Amendment right, Friends, we're going to lose that. The Christians are the first ones who are going to lose that. And this judge told this gentleman, he said, you weren't out there using the F-bomb and using foul language like that, but you were telling people that they were sinners. And he said, in my opinion, that's far worse. Nobody wants to hear that they are a sinner, was what the judge said. Nobody does want to hear that they're a sinner, but they are, right? As once were we, and as we are, but we're being perfected in Christ, right? 
Notice what he says right here. Listen to the few key words that we miss out on church sometimes. Brethren, having boldness to enter the holiness, the holiest by the blood of Jesus. We've got boldness. And it should take away our fear. By a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh. He died for us. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. We don't have to come and gather together like we've been beaten down, like we've done something. Maybe we have done something and we need to confess it. right? But you don't have to live like that anymore. Having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience. Friends, our, our conscience when we were lost was straight up evil. Right? The Bible says that we've got no good in ourselves. That it's all evil. Right? The only righteousness that we have comes from whom? From, from God and Jesus Christ. Let us not, or let us consider in order to stir up love and good works, right? The first thing that we should say to our brothers and sisters is, I'm so glad to see you today. How's your week been, right? How's your health? How's so-and-so doing? Can I help you with this, right? I know you always feel a little cold in here. Can I grab you a jacket? Right, do you need some water? Let me love on you. How can I do something for you? If our first inclination is to complain, friends, something's wrong. Don't forsake the gathering together. And he says, as some of you are in the habit of doing. He's talking to somebody. Some of y'all are not doing what you ought to do. Friends, as born-again believers, we want to gather together. Verses 2 through 4, let's look at this truth. God's people, listen. God's people, listen. Verse 2 says, all who could hear with understanding on the first day of the seventh month. Verse 2, Ezra brought the law. And we might think, well, what's so special about Ezra? Why, why does he get to be speaking up there? Look on the screen ahead. You'll see from Ezra chapter 7, verse 6. Says, this Ezra came up from Babylon. He was a skilled scribe of the law of Moses, which the Lord God of Israel had given. The king granted him all his requests according to the hand of the Lord his God, upon him. God's hand was on Ezra. Right? I imagine Ezra was probably a smart guy. Given to him from the Lord, he could read well, he could probably speak well, he could probably explain the word of God to where people could understand it. Ezra 7, 9, on the first day of the first month, he began his journey from Babylon. And on the first day of the fifth month, he came to Jerusalem, according to the good hand of his God, that was upon him. Ezra 7.10, For Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach statutes and ordinances in Israel. He wasn't just reading just to kind of absorb, to say, look how much I've read. Man, I read the Bible through 14 times this year. Right? I've memorized X amount of passages. Well, good for you. Right? Good job, friend. Right? But are we absorbing it in order to say, hey, check out what I saw today in God's Word. This impacted me, and look how, how it impacted me. Right? I was doing this, and I didn't know I wasn't supposed to be. Right? Let me encourage you with this. I saw this, and this applies to your life. Verse 4, he stood where the people could hear. He stood where the people could hear. It wasn't just a far-off deal where you saw him, like, you know, and you heard, wah, 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 wah. y'all watch the Charlie Brown where the, the teacher talks, wah, 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 and they always know what they're talking about, and you're like, well, my friend Aaron in Kansas City, he said his son was mimicking him. 
and he said, and then, uh, and then Daddy said, like that. And he said, well, is that what I sound like to my kids? Kind of like that person from Charlie Brown? He read it in the open, verse 3. He read it wide open for, for folks to hear. Verse 3, also, the people were attentive. They wanted to hear the word of God. They wanted, and guys, I know, sometimes you show up and you're like, hey, for Pete's sakes, Toby, when you, when are you going to stop? Right? It is 12.02 and you're still going. Right? And we have air conditioning and heat and, and padded seats and all that kind of thing. Exactly. Daybreak to noon and, or daybreak until after afternoon, and they were standing. How about that? I can see some of, like, some of the older ones going, I don't know. Right? How many of you can remember pews without the padded things? Some of the older? I don't see any of the younger ones holding. I, I, I don't remember sitting in pews without padding. Right? I would. Right? They stood. They were honoring the word. They were worshiping. Right? You remember how it said their hands were up? Amen. Amen. Right? They were gathered together, standing, listening to someone speak for six to eight hours. Right? We go, you preach it too long, man. You just preach too long. Too long winded preacher. I don't know if I can do that next week. Well, I'll try to accommodate you. Check this out. I think it's on the screen ahead. The reading of the law did something for the people. We see reading. We see hearing. We see learning. Fearing, which leads to obeying and right living. If we want to know how to live rightly, we have got to get in the Word of God. If we wonder why we can't get it right, most of the time it's because we're not in the Word of God. Verses 5 through 6, we see the truth that God's people worship. God's people worship. He was standing above all the people. We opened it. The people stood up. As soon as he opened it, the people just stood up. Hey, can y'all please stand? I guess so. All right. Eight verses. I guess I can make it. Right? They stood the whole time. Gene, was that you? You thought that was funny? All right. (laughs) And what did the people say right here? They said, Amen. Amen, Brother Toby. Amen, Brother Ezra. Amen. Right? And it wasn't like, Amen, he's down to the third or fourth point. We're almost done. Amen. Right? It was, Amen, we're reading God's word. Praise Jesus. How many of these people had God's word in their home? Like slim to none. Right? I got a $47 billion on my phone. Right? I probably got 300 on this thing. They wanted to hear the word of God. Standing is a posture of worship. Look on the screen to Leviticus 9.5. So they brought what Moses commanded before the tabernacle of meeting, and all the con- congregation drew near and stood before the Lord. Matthew 6, 5 through 6. And when you pray, you shouldn't be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues, right? So this is a normal thing. They're standing and they're praying all loud on the corners of the streets that they might be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room. When you shut the door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who is in secret will reward you openly. He's not saying, hey, quit standing and being all loud like that. Because standing was a posture, just like going in your closet was a posture, just like kneeling was a posture. 
He was saying, hey, how's your heart? How's your heart when you do it? Are we standing and we're raising our hand, amen, amen, because we want people to see how righteous and holy we are? Oh, Brother Toby's calling for an amen, so I'm going to give him three, right? Am I the first one up? Does he see that? Right? It's all about our heart, our heart with our worship. They stood for five or six or so hours as they listened. Nehemiah 8.3, read it from the open square that was in the water gate from morning until midday. Right? They stood, Gene, for that long. Right? I don't know, maybe they had bad knees, maybe they didn't. Maybe they, they were, maybe they had chairs for the folks who had trouble, but they were gathered together, and I'm telling you what, they didn't shower that morning with Dove and with Dial and all that, right? So there's some interesting things going on right there. They were packed in, and yet still worshiping. They weren't complaining about their neighbor, because that's how they smelled. Verse 6, Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen, while lifting their hands. He blessed the Lord. This was common back then, before reading Scripture and after reading Scripture. Blessing the Lord. Uh, We also see that public worship is a foretaste of heaven. I read an article this week. It was entitled, Why You and Your Family Should Go to Church, Biblical Answers to Churchless Christianity. And it brought about two points that that really hit home to me. And number one was it reminds us we are strangers in this world and pilgrims on the way to heaven. We're strangers and pilgrims on the way to heaven. This really is our family, right? Right? Amen. It's an appetizer on the menu of heaven, is what the author author said. Isn't that beautiful? When church looks like it's supposed to, when we're getting along, when we're loving on each other, right? When we're ministering to each other, we give of our abundance for folks. We give of our unabundance for folks. It's an appetizer on the menu of heaven. Verses 7 through 8, God's people teach. God's people teach. This is verses 7 through 8. Verse 8 says, They read distinctly from the book the law of God, and they gave the sense. They helped them to understand the reading. So not only do we need to teach and read or read God's word, but we need to teach what it says. There we have folks at different levels of of intellect, of, of different levels of Christianity, and that's okay. I remember we were doing house church, and, and one of the guys stopped, and he said, hey, i got to ask. Um, we're reading through Acts, and he said, hey, there's this dude named Paul, and there's this other guy named Saul. It looks like they're the same, right? And how many of us would have that issue? We would, Well, yeah, it's the same man, right? God changed him. Some folks don't know that. They're baby Christians, so take time and say, okay, well, let's stop right there. Right, let, let's back up just a little bit. You, you missed something. Right, what did you miss? You got any questions? And that's hard to do right here. Right? But if you have any questions while I preach, friends, write them down. Say, Toby, you said this. I, I don't know any idea what you said. Right? Give me a call. Send me a text. Say, hey, let's have a meeting. I, I don't know what that is. I'd, I'd really like to know. We need to teach it. I read in a children's magazine, children's ministry magazine. I'm not sure if you got it this week, Barbara, or not. It was in Carla's office. And it said this. It really jumped out at me. Children, church... Church, children don't need a babysitter at church. They don't want a babysitter at church. They have enough babysitters. They come to learn the Word of God. I'll just let's put them downstairs and give them some toys. That's what they get at home, right? That's what they get at the babysitter. 
what they can get here is the Word of God. Teenagers don't need their ears tickled or have another trip to do or this, right? Let's get them all. Let's, let's gather them up. They need to hear the Word of God. Teenagers are dropping out of church at an alarming rate. If we can get folks solid, we, we, can, we can knock on the teenagers all day long, but folks my age, senior adults are the same way. Folks who aren't solid in Scripture, friends, they're not going to last. They won't make it. And it's no doubt when, when teenagers go off to college and they hear all these things and their professors are bagging on Christianity all day long, well, yeah, that makes more sense than this, right? Because we didn't give them that good foundation. We spent more time on pizza and pop and trips than we did on the importance of the Word of God. Young adults, I wish they'd just get here. You know what I wish? I wish they'd just get saved. Because if they got saved, they might say, you know what? This is important. I need to do this. I don't know about you, but when you came to Christ, did you get changed? Right? Did the Holy Spirit change you in such a way where you said, I want to do this? There's, guys, there's nothing we can do to get them to come. We can change and tweak and do all these things, but until people get saved, they will have no desire. Senior adults don't need another tea gathering. They don't need another golf outing, coffee club, or discussion group about their grandkids. Y'all got those outside of here, don't you? Senior adults need solid Bible teaching so that young adults will go, I want to hang out with that guy. Right? He's made it that long. I want to know how to make it that long. And I want to know how to, that my, my wife and I can have a really good relationship. I want to know how to raise my kids in the faith. Senior adults ought to be the most discipled and the most discipling people in our churches. Amen, Brother Toby. That's right. Come on, preach it. That's kind of hard, isn't it? Our seniors should be the ones in the church who gather up the young ones and say, hey, can I walk with you? Y'all got money? Let me buy you a cup of coffee. Right? People in their 20s don't have money. They can't buy a cup of coffee like that. Buy them a lunch. Hey, let's go through this book together. I'd love to hang out with you. Show me how to use that doodad. Right? You don't even care, but act like you do. Right? They like that. They want to show you how to use the doodad. Well, you can show them how to walk in faith. Friends, let me encourage you this today. As we gather together as the church, don't look at it as another social gathering. Don't look at it as this is what we always do, and so this is what we're supposed to do. Look at it as an act of worship for the Lord. When we read God's Word, whether it's through Nehemiah, maybe it's Leviticus you're reading through, or maybe you're going through the book of John, Gospel of John. Read, learn, and do so as an act of worship. I want to encourage you, as you read, write some truths down. I learned this today. Uh, I was challenged by this today. I need to email so-and-so and check on so-and-so and see if they're reading too. You know, maybe i got a reading partner or whatever you got. Maybe you're here today and you're not born again. You say, I don't have a desire to be at church. I don't want to read God's Word, and I really don't want to pray. It just takes up my day. Friend, you're probably lost and apart from Christ. And how we, how we come to Christ is we repent of our sins. We, we recognize that we're, we've sinned. We've broken God's law. And if you want to know, if you want some examples of that, turn to the Ten Commandments. And you can say, yeah, I've broken at least a few of those. If you've broken one, God's word says you've broken how many? All of them. You've broken all of them. You're apart from Christ. And apart from Christ, God's going to judge you with his righteousness. And he'll say, apart from me, I, I never knew you. Right? We've got so many 
Christians who really aren't born again. Friends, I want to encourage you today. If you're not born again, if you're not a follower of Christ, come to Christ. I want to ask the musicians to come up. And if you are born again, I want, to, I want you to pray right now for a lost on your heart. I want you to pray also that we might as a church uh, get excitement about gathering together, about reading God's Word. And if you're lost today, I want to encourage you to pray to receive Christ. You don't have to come and do some kind of altar walk with Brother Toby. If you'd like to do that, I'll pray with you. I'll show you how you can be born again. But right in your seat, you can repent of your sin. You can put your faith and trust in Christ. But friends, that's not it. Don't think you're doing that and that's it. We need to learn how to walk with Jesus. So you need to tell somebody, hey, I did this. What do I do 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 next? So that's where I can come into play and help you out with that. Father, we do love you. We thank you for this time. I pray for the folks who are here today that we might just have a rekindled fire for your word, fire for, for worshiping you. Father, we pray for those who may be here today who are not born again, maybe some who have been coming for some time and realize they're, they're really not saved. They need to be. Time is so short. We don't know when our last breath will be. Father, we pray that you would give us uh, just one more chance for some folks to to come to Christ. Lord, we love you. We thank you for this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.